Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I want to share this message uh, called The Four Cups. It's by Pastor Chris Hodges from his book uh, entitled The Four Cups, and I highly, highly recommend it. It's, it's less than 200 pages thick, and I think that we can all devote a little time to reading that, and it'll really, really uh, bless your life in a major way. So with, with, without going too deep into it, I'm going to share it. He's not going to preach it. I know y'all looking at the screen like, is it going to come up? No, no, no. I'm going to share it. I'm going to do it my way. He gave me permission. He says, Broderick, use it. You know, just make it your own. Make it mosaics. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, If you have your Bible, don't worry if you don't. But if you have your Bible, this, uh, this scripture that I want to open up with is not in your notes, but it's an important scripture. Everything else I'll talk about is in your notes. But this is important. Because this is, uh, the scripture I'm going to share with you is Luke, coming from Luke chapter 22. And this is Jesus, in essence, defining the win to his disciples. And in Luke 22, he's defining the win. He's breaking it down to his disciples saying, everything that we've been doing since you've been hanging out with me, all that you've witnessed, all that you've been able to participate in, all that you've experienced hanging out with me Here's what it's all about. And in Luke 22, he's sharing this message during his final meal with his disciples. Guys who've seen him in in all types of situations. And here's the message. If you have your Bibles, follow me here. I'm going to start with Luke chapter 22, verse 7 and 8. Then I'm going to jump down. I'm going to skip down. uh, verse 14, and I'm going to read all the way down to 20. So here we go. Luke 22, 7 and 8 says this. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I want to pause. I've been very eager to share this Passover meal. I want to say something. This is not the first Passover meal Jesus shared with his disciples. This meal was important. 
It was the final meal. It was the one that they would remember forever. They would probably not remember the other meals they had together. They probably had some great conversation about miracles they performed. They probably had some great conversation about things that they witnessed. But this particular meal will be something that will be eternally etched in their minds and rest on their heart because it is the final meal. And in this final, final Passover meal, I'm going to share with you what he says. In this final meal, I've been eager to share this with you. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, I guarantee that this went over their head. I guarantee that that, that, that saying, him saying that, they didn't think that this was really the final meal. They didn't think that, 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 that he was going to be gone, crucified. They had no idea what was happening, but he knew, and he's sharing this with them. He's trying to get this to them. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Maybe they thought he was fasting or something. I, I, I don't know what's going through their mind at this time. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He probably never did that in any other meal except for this one. Now he's got their attention. Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Let me pray and let me explain some things. God, I thank you this, this morning for this opportunity to stand before your people and share your word. God, I take no credit for it. It was written thousands and thousands of years before my existence. So today I only stand here as your ambassador. God, I pray today that my tongue is articulate. My heart is pure. God, remove me completely out of the way. Let the image that the people see today resemble yours. Let the voice that they hear sound a lot like yours today. God, I thank you so much for all assembled under the sound of my voice this morning. Bless this place today from center to circumference so that when we leave here today, we can fully understand and embrace your promises found in these four cups. In Jesus' name, amen. Passover is a very important festival in the Jewish culture going way back thousands of years. And many Jewish people, all Jewish people still celebrate the importance of Passover. Passover was important because it symbolized the, 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 the escape or, or the rescue of God uh, from, from the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And, 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 and if you recall Old Testament, there, there's scripture where, where God commanded all of those he was going to rescue to sacrifice a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, mark it on the threshold of your door, and you would be saved because he was getting ready to wipe out some people who were disconnected to him, wipe out some people who did not want to follow him, wipe out some people who were praising idol gods. He was getting ready to start this thing over, but his chosen people, he says, take a lamb, sacrifice it, take the blood of the lamb, mark it on the door. And when he sent uh, death their way, it passed right over those who had the marking of the lamb's blood on the door. And so to this day, 
Hebrews celebrate that. That's what the Passover is. It's where, 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 where the death sentence passed over those who were considered God's chosen people. This is an important festival. And during this time, Jesus found it necessary to pause with his disciples and celebrate this Passover with him being the sacrificial lamb, that the law that they were under would be no longer as a result of his sacrifice that he was getting ready to make. So as he was saying to them, take this, and he broke his body, and he poured the wine which represented his blood, and said, remember me. You're not, uh, he was telling them, you're not only remembering what Old Testament and what you learned in the Torah, what you're remembering is today I will forever be the lamb. You won't have to sacrifice a lamb and put anything over your doorway. Death will pass over you because what I'm doing today is sacrificing for your sins. You don't have to worry about dying because of you sinning. Prior to that, if you committed a sin, it meant death. If you didn't know that, read the Old Testament. If you sinned, you were dead. They were going to kill you. There's evidence even in the New Testament where a woman was caught sinning with adultery. And the first thing they did was, let's line her up and stone her. They didn't say, let's stone her to give her a good headache. No, let's stone her to what? Death. And so prior to Jesus being the sacrificial lamb, sin meant death. But Jesus died for you and I. Sin means forgiveness in the eyes of God now. No longer do you have to sacrifice a lamb. The lamb has already been sacrificed. I'm, I'm getting a little bit off of where I want to go. But, but there, there's something in that. There's something in that. So the death angel passes over those with the marked door. There's also happening in the uh, the, the Passover feast, there's another festival that coincides with, insides with it, and it is the, the festival of unleavened bread. Now, the festival of unleavened bread represented the sin. Uh, uh, this was when Jewish people during this time, and they still do, they, they, they would uh, have bread, break bread that was not leavened without yeast is what that means. Yeast, just a little bit of yeast, could, 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 could ruin uh, any, any kind of uh, flour or dough. Just a little bit could make it rise. And so that represented sin. By taking that out, they're taking away the sin. And so they were celebrating the removal of sin and the sacrifice uh, uh, that, that was made so that they wouldn't be killed when the, when the death angel came and wiped out those people. So they're celebrating two festivals. I got I to get this in you, and then we're going to move on. Let me tell you something special about this Passover. The ancient sacrament of Passover, watch this, reveals a picture of God's heart for us that has never changed. I'll say that again. I want you to listen to that. The ancient sacrament of Passover gives us a picture of the heart of God for each and every one of us that has never changed. Let me explain. If we look at this scripture, we notice that the cup was mentioned more than one time. Let me explain why. When the Passover meal was happening, there were four cups. Even today, when Jewish people do the Passover meal, there are four cups, not the one singular cup for communion that we do in the Western church. There were four 
cups, and each cup represented something. Now, when they did this Passover meal uh, and, and they had the four cups, each cup would happen at different parts of the time of the dinner. So you'd have an, uh, uh, the first cup, which would open up everything and begin the story of the exodus of those people coming out of slavery. And then there was a second cup that happened right before dinner was served. The third cup happened during dinner, and then there was a final cup that happened at the end to close out the meal. This still happens today with the Passover meal. Each of these cups, watch this, and I'm going to explain it to you, will reveal the heart of God for each of us. Watch this. Each cup represents the four I wills. Now, every time they took a drink of the cup, they quoted a scripture, and the scripture came from Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And these are called the four I wills, which uh, tie in with the four cups. You ready? Here are the four cups. And then I want to get you to some place and explain some things. Here are the four cups. The first cup, and I well, first let me read Exodus 6 and 7, then I want to tell you about the cups. Here's the scripture they would read when they drank the four cups, one at a time. Therefore, in Exodus 6, 6 and 7, in your notes, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Here's the first I will. I will free you from your oppression. I will free you from your oppression. They would say that scripture when they drank from the first cup. And the first cup was the cup of sanctification. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. And what sanctification really means is salvation. Here it is. They would drink that cup as a reminder that God is going to save them from their oppressor. I'm going to save them. I'm going to rescue them from the grips of Pharaoh. I'm going to save them and bring them out of slavery. That's the first cup, they would say. Then, then they would say a scripture behind this second cup. The second part, they would say, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. That they would say when they took a sip of the second cup, which is the cup of deliverance, the cup of deliverance. I will rescue you from slavery. Now, it's different than being uh, 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 set free. Uh, it's different than, than, than him pulling them out of slavery. It's different than him releasing them. In this cup of deliverance, watch this, he's freeing them from something. See, here's what happened with, 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 with the people who were enslaved. Do y'all know that after they were free and let go for 400 years, they still thought they were slaves? For 400 years, they still had a slave mentality. Many of us are just like that today. So here's what it is. God says, I'm going to take you out of there. I'm going to pull you out of a place. And once I pull you out of a place, now I'm going to deliver you. Here's where deliverance happens. I got to pull the place out of you. I have to begin to get you to think that you are no longer a slave. I got to get this slave mentality out of you. You, you know, a lot of us are just like that. We, we become Christian, right? We, we become Christian. We, we give our lives to God. We say prayers and, 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 we, and we get salvation, <laughs> but we still have the sin nature within us. And see, God wants to, in the same way, when we take this cup of deliverance, pull out that thing. You know how they say sometimes, there's an old saying, they say you can take somebody out the hood, but you can't take the hood out of somebody. Or, or, or somebody will say you can take somebody out the country, but you can't take the country out of somebody. I can keep going on and on. You can take the Birmingham out of somebody, but you can't take, you, you, can I get on, can I go on and on and on about it? 
And this is what God is saying, the same thing. I can take you away. I can pull you out of slavery, my people. I can take you out of Egypt. But here's the thing. Now I've got to work on getting Egypt out of you. And many of us Christians struggle with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going too far. <laughs> I'm going too far. We'll get back to that in a minute. Then they would go down, and, and there was another scripture they would say, and this, this is the third cup here. They would say, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. This is the cup of redemption, my brothers and sisters. This is the cup of redemption. Redeem simply means to buy back. Redeem simply means to buy back. My brothers and sisters, Old Testament tells us that we were stolen by sin. Sin snatched us up and held us captives for a long time. But then God says, you know what? These are my chosen people. I'm going to buy them back. I'm going to redeem them. So here's the second cup of redemption, the third cup, I'm sorry, the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. God bought each of us back. How do I know? Watch this. Because God created us, we were stolen by sin, and through the death of his very own son, the sacrificial lamb, watch this, he purchased us and bought us back and brought us back to our original purpose. How do I know? Why? How many sinners in the room? Okay, y'all, thank you, thank you, right? And guess what? The fact that you could raise your hand, admit you're a sinner, and say you're in a room is proof positive that a man died thousands and thousands of years ago, and you are still alive because of it. Because there is a time, matter of fact, there are certain parts of this country, if you raised your hand and said you were a sinner, off with your head. There are certain parts, not this country, I'm sorry about that, this world where you, you raise your hand and say you're a sinner, yet you're ostracized. You are kicked out of the community. And those communities, I just have to say, aren't believers of Christ. But all of us in this room who raise our hand and openly admit it publicly that we're sinners are alive today because one person, the sacrificial lamb, died for you and I. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the cup of redemption. You've been redeemed. That Wow, that's some good news right there. That's some good news. Just think thousands of years ago, you would be dead for raising your hand and admitting to something like that. There's a lot of secrecy going on. Here's a fourth and final cup. Then they would go to this final scripture here, and they would say, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. My brothers and sisters, this is the cup of praise. The cup of praise. Now, organically, after four cups, you're you, you going to begin praising anyhow. That's just natural, you know. You, <laughs> after your fourth cup, the party done started. <laughs> we, we, what did they say? The young folks say, we turned up now. <laughs> it's on. But no, seriously, all jokes aside, the fourth cup is a cup of praise. Why? Because God says, listen, I brought you out of slavery I done pulled that slavery mindset out of you. I've redeemed you. And here's the best part, baby. You are my own, right? You are my child. I will do everything in my power to protect you. For those who are parents in this room, if you see any harm coming, 
or a thought of harm coming to your child, you will do go out of your way to protect your baby. Okay, amen. Right? Okay, where the, where the pet where the pet owners at? Y'all the same way with your pets, huh? I'm I'm very serious. If you don't have a key, something you love, you will do, just the thought of harm coming against your child or your pet, you will go bananas. Oh, God forbid your child come in crying, talking about something happened to you somewhere. Oh, where did it happen? And who was it? And when did they do it? Where are they at? Show me who they are. And God is the same way when he says, you are mine. So now anything that come against you to harm you, baby, I've already put a fence around you to protect you because you are my baby. You are my child. You are from me. I've redeemed you. You're mine and ain't nothing going to happen. That's why they praise because they realized that for a very long time they were enslaved by Pharaoh and they didn't think they would ever be free. And even after generations of generations and generations of them who never got it and had the slave mentality, God still never gave up on them. He freed them, changed their mindset, and put them back on a road to fulfilling his purpose, the purpose that is in each and every one of them. Wow, that's good. Wow, that's good. I'm, I think I'm a... I'm going to change this thing up, man. I'm going to start preaching Pentecostal. Y'all got the, I want a few runners or something up in here. Tia, let me start. That's why they praise. Let me tell you about praise. Let me tell you about praise. This is the moment where the great halal happened. The great halal. Halal is where the word hallelujah comes from. Can I just tell you what that means when it's broken down? Watch this. The word halal is simply defined this way. It means to celebrate. Or be clamorously foolish. That's, that's the Pentecostal. That's the running. That's David dancing out in the courtyards butt naked. That, that's, that's praising uninhibited, uh, 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 not held back. It's uncontrollable praise. And that's what was happening at this point when they drank from the cup of praise. They were praising God for who he is and what he's done for them. Wow, that's good. And then in the end, they would recite this Psalm 136. Which, which is simply a repetitious psalm. There's a phrase, they'll say a simple, simple phrase, and then after that phrase they would say, and his mercy and his love endures forever. Then they would say another phrase and they'd say, and his love endures forever. Then they'd say another one, and his love endures forever. I dare some of y'all to get that in your spirit one day. Just be riding in the car, just driving, and, and be going through some stuff and having a bad day and just begin saying, you know what, and his love endures forever. I dare one of y'all to go to your boss and go to the job who just handed you a pink slip and say, thank you, but and his love endures forever. I dare one of y'all to hand in a resume for a job that you know you want to get, and, and, and they're looking at you like, well, we have other cap applicants that are more qualified. I dare you to say, thank you, and his love endures forever. Ever. I dare you to look the doctor in the face who gave you a bad or your friend a bad medical report talking about they're their, their, their stricken with cancer. I dare you to look that doctor in the face and say, and his love endures forever. And this is what they were saying. This is what they kept saying. It became their mantra during this Passover feast. Wow, that's good, man. That's amen all by myself. You preaching today, brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Here's the question, and this is why you're in the shouting. Well, pastor, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to us today? I mean, I get it, and we're not Jewish. We're Christian, and how does, how does this even make sense to us? We're still God's chosen people. This is why it makes sense, and let me break it down to you. 
The four cups that I just shared with you, they represent the progression of everything God wants to bring us through in our lives today. Those four cups represent the progression of everything that God wants to bring us through in our lives today. And he wants to do it in the local church. He wants to do it through his church. He doesn't want to do it individually at your house, reading your devotional, reading your Bible. He doesn't want to do it uh, 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 while you're watching it on the, on the, tea, on the in- Internet. He wants to do it in his body. He wants to do it with his bride. Can I go on and on about the different descriptors that God describes his church that he loves? He wants to do this through you and me and his church. Not Mosaic Church, not church down the street, not church around the way, through his church. And you, me, we are his church. Let me explain to you how the four I wills work for you. But first, let me tell you what success is for this church and every church in America. Here's what success is for every church in America. Okay? My Highlands folk, this will sound familiar. Success is moving people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's success for every church, every parishioner. That's a person in the church. Every Christian, every individual that's a believer in Christ. It is our personal mission to get people from where they are, wherever they are in their life, to God, to where God wants them to be. Can I read our purpose statement to you real fast for those who don't know? Let me read Mosaic Church's purpose statement, which, which is which is derived from the Great Commission. Watch this. Mosaic Church exists, why? To reach people where they are. Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's the mission of God, right? How they are, oh, that's good, regardless of their background or whatever regardless of who they are, with the life-giving message of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus with everyone through practical Bible, biblical teaching, and life application that they may become fully devoted followers of Christ, to serve the hurting and those that feel hopeless or helpless, the disconnected and the next generation, to love all people regardless of race, sex, social economics, culture, or religious background. Plain and simple, our mission, our purpose is to reach, teach, serve, and love everybody. This, my brothers and sisters, is how Mosaic Church accomplishes the mission. This is how we take people from where they are to where God wants them to be. In order to reach, I have to go. Huh? I can, I can reach out to Emily but in order to touch her, I've got to come. I've got to step outside of that pulpit. Now, that's my pulpit. Your pulpit could be your house. Your pulpit could be your church. You have to step outside of your everyday in order to fulfill that. You have to reach. And now once I reach, Emily, I can begin to teach. Not with Scripture, but my testimony. The Bible says, and they were changed by, Huh? By the what? By the work of their testimony. They were changed by their testimony. 
by the testimony, not by Scripture, not by worship, not by small groups, not by coming in on Sunday morning, by their testimony. So once I reach, I teach through my testimony. And I serve. I meet all of her needs according to God. I serve her. How? However she needs it. And all of that represents love. Christ's love. That's our simple mission. Now, here's how it applies to you. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Here's how it applies to you. God gives us promises in these four cups. The first promise he gives us, he says, God will bring us out. But I want you to personalize it. I want you to say this. God will bring me out. Say that. Okay. Now that you've, you, 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 you've kind of got your little, you know, situation together, you know how you, your cadence is going to flow, I want you to say it like you believe it. God will bring me out. Anybody in here need to be brought out of something today? Huh? Anybody in here need to be brought out of something? Maybe it's a funk. Maybe it's a cloud. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's a bad job. Maybe it's your situation where you're living at. I don't know, but I want you to know that God said, I will bring you out. He said that thousands of years ago to some people that he was freeing from slavery, and it's relevant to you and I today in 2014. You better grasp that this morning. God says, I will will. Not I might. I'm going to think about it. Let me have a meeting with my people. Let me figure it out. Give me some time to pray on it. He says, no, baby, I will bring you out. And he did bring them out and he will bring you out. Whatever it is you're going through today, God says, I will bring you out. That is the cup of salvation. He's going to save you from whatever mess you may find yourself in today. God says, I will bring you out. The cup of sanctification happens here in this place, in this, this, this worship place, this community of believers. It happens here on Sunday mornings. This is a place where we can allow people to have a sip and taste the fruit of the nectar of God on a Sunday morning. The cup of sanctification happens here in all churches in America on a Sunday morning, a worship experience. This is how we allow people to sip from the cup of sanctification. This is beginning point. This is how it happens. Let me, let me go with else. Let me share another promise he says. It's a promise. How many of y'all know God don't break promises? Huh? God does not break promises. I want to tell you something. Man, this is good. God says, I will bring you out. But this part, some of y'all, we miss it. God says, I'll bring you out, but you got to do something too. <laughs> he didn't say, you sitting there on your tush, I'm going to bring you out. I, you know what? You just look like you need help, so today, let me just bring you out. No, you have some things to do. And to drink from the cup of sanctification, you have to be born again. And in order to be born again, you have to repent of some things. Can I tell you what repentance means? Can I tell you what repentance means? Here's what repentance means. To turn different direction away from that thing. Whatever it is, to turn away from and never to go back again. Okay, in other words, I can go this way 
and keep on going, but I should never go back the way I started because back here, there's nothing good for me. There's nothing wonderful for me. Turn away from that thing and never go back. Repent. Many of us confess our sins, but we stop when it comes to repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I messed up. I'm not going to do that again. And you do good. Some of y'all do good for like years. Some of y'all are really good at doing good at certain things for years, but somehow, some way, something creeps into you. A little voice begins to talk to you, and you start believing that voice, saying, you know what? God said he'll forgive me no matter what. Maybe he'll forgive me this one last time. Repent. Never go back. And once you do that, then and only then can you enjoy the fruits from the cup of sanctification. Here's something else I want to tell you. If you are currently not a part of a, of a, of a loving church community, I, I, I worry for you. I worry for you. And this is not a ploy to get you at Mosaic Church. I don't care what church you go to. You need to be in the fellowship. The Bible says itself for itself, forsake not the fellowship of others. You have to be in fellowship. That's where accountability happens. And see, we take that word accountability as negative. Accountability is a great word. Accountability is celebration, too. It's not condemnation. It's not judgment. Accountability is checking on you. How many of you have started workout programs and had no accountability and failed miserably? Hmm? Yeah. Hello. Right? Why? Accountability. Accountability. You have nobody calling you saying, yo, get up, man. You got to get to work. Get up, get up, get up. Let's, Let's knock it out. You know, get up, you know, let's, let's, let's get to working. Let's work out. Oh, you're not coming today. You didn't have that accountability. It's the same thing with our, with our life, with our walk. Hey, 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 let's get up at 6 o'clock. I dare some of y'all to do that. To your neighbor, hey, let's get up at 6 o'clock every morning, me and you, and let's pray together. They might be like tripping like, whoa. First of all, that's 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I just went to sleep like two hours ago. But truth is, that's what accountability is, being there one for another, being there for each other. It's, it's, it's so important and so pressing that we, we be there for one another. Let me, let me move on to the second thing. God promises this. He says, I will bring you out, number one. He says, and I will, God will set you free. I want you to make it personal. God will set me free. Say that. God will set me free. That's a promise. That's not a thought. That's not a possibility. That is a promise. And God has not broken a promise. Listen, I've read this thing from cover to cover, from the index all the way to the maps, and I cannot find where he let some people down. I can't find in there, anywhere in there where he said, you know what, I'm going to do something. Nah, I changed my mind. Never in this entire book, never even in seminary when we read other books, did I find in there where he ever changed his mind or took back a statement? Where he ever took back a promise? Never. He's always fulfilled the promises, and he promises to set you free. Many, many, many have been saved, but some have never been set free. Many of us have been saved. If you said the prayer of salvation, <laughs> hallelujah. Pat yourself on the back. You're saved, but you haven't been set free. How do I know? What controls your thought? What controls your day-to-day? 
who is the pilot of how you navigate life? Is it God or sin? I can't answer that. Only you can. I can't answer that. Only you can. Here it is. We go to God for forgiveness. 1 John 1 and 9 says this, But if we confess our sins to him, that is God we're talking about, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Here's what I want to share with you. We go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing. We go to God for forgiveness. God is the only one who can forgive us. But we go to his people for healing. Let me explain what that means. Let me explain what that means. Let me, let me read the scripture. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Here's where accountability happens. So that you may be healed. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's scripture. That's not Broderick, right? All life change happens in the context of relationships, right? And God sees relationships two ways. Ready? Between you and him, this way, and between you and his people, this way. God sees relationships two ways. And all relationships happen, and all change happens in the context of relationships. Y'all walking with me? Y'all catching this? This way. Y'all see that cross that's happening? All relationships happen that way. Here's how that makes sense for you according to, to the, the, uh, how we do it here for, through God's church. The cup of deliverance happens here at Mosaic Church in our small groups. 70% of pastoral care happens not in this pulpit. Not on Sunday morning. 70% of pastoral care happens in a small group setting. When you are with people of like mind, like interests, people that are just as flawed and have issues just like you, people that are practicing Christians like you are trying to do their best, you feel comfortable and led to share with those people things that you would not share with your pastor. Real change happens in the context of relationships. And if you want to be a part of relationships here in this body, it happens in a small group setting. That's where you have the opportunity to take a sip of the cup of deliverance. I know personally of people in another state that were having marital problems, facing divorce. There was adultery happening in that marriage. Wife caught husband cheating. Husband caught wife having an emotional affair via the Internet. Got them connected to a church in their area. And the first thing they did was join a small group. Can I tell you something? They're still together today working through their mess. Pastor prayed over them, but he directed them to where the healing can happen in a relationship in a small group setting. That's where healing happens amongst God's people. Here's the third cup, and I want to I push. I want to push. We got to get out of here. We got some things to do here. God will set me apart. Say that with me. God will set me apart. 
God will set me apart. It's not enough to be saved and delivered. God wants to return you back to your original purpose. You'll never fully understand the Christian life until you understand the purpose God has for you. You'll never understand this walk. You'll never understand this Christian life completely until you understand the purpose God has for you. Now, that happens here organically at at Mosaic Church through our growth track, right? 101, you become a member of this church. I tell you about the history of our church. I tell you about why you should be a part of Mosaic Church. 201, we give you the essentials for living a good Christian life. 301, guess what? We're going to help you discover your spiritual gifts. Wow. Huh? Anybody went through 301 yet? Huh? Feel they know themselves a little bit more? Yeah. We do that for you in 301. Learn your spiritual gifts, right? Learn your personality traits. And then 401, right? We want you to be a part of what, what God is doing. We want you to be a part of his plan for your life and helping build his kingdom. And so we, we invite you to be a part of our dream team where you can serve with your gifting that you are now uh, aware of in any ministry in the church. Wow, that's good news. And this is how we allow people to have a, cu- a, a sip of the cup of redemption. This is how you get redeemed back. God buys you back. Now he wants you to serve to build up his kingdom. Here's the fourth point, and then we got, we got to get ready for some things I want to do here. Here's the fourth point, if you're taking notes. Say this with me. This is really good. God will love me forever. I would have shouted that. I would have shouted that. Lonely people, all you got to do is say that. I don't care. I ain't lonely. I got my God. God will love me forever. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter how long I've been there or how how long I've done that or how many times I went back and done that, God will love me forever, and it's unconditional. Whoa. It's unconditional. No matter what, God will love me forever. In case y'all didn't get that, that's a promise. It's a guarantee you can take it to the bank, baby. He will love you forever. It's a promise that that he said to some people way back thousands and thousands of years ago when he was freeing them from the the grips of, of a man named Pharaoh. He said it to them. He's saying it to you. Today, I will love you forever. There is nothing that you can do that would separate me from loving you. Not even death, the Bible says, can separate you from the love of Christ. Oh, my goodness. Not even death can separate you from it. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. That's a big doggone deal. And that is also the final cup. The cup of praise, that's when you praise, that's when you get excited because you know no matter what is going on in this life, in this world we live in, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm dealing with, God will love me forever and it's unconditional. There's not a four or five step process for me to get that love. It's automatic, baby. You got it, you get it, you keep it. You have to accept it though. You have to believe it though. Here's the four cups, the four promises, I mean. God will bring me out. God will set me free. God will set me apart. And God, my God, will love me 
forever. This, this is accomplished through serving in our dream team here. The cup of praise is accomplished here when you decide to serve in a ministry here at this church. When you decide to give all that God has put into you and put yourself aside to love his people, he is praising. <laughs> he is worshiping. He is excited. And he says, you know what? They get it. They get it. It's not about them. It's about people who were like them at some point in their lives, who were disconnected, who were lost, who were sinners drowning in their sin. And the only way you and I can do that through these four cups, only way that you and I can do that is to first accept the call on our lives, the purpose on our lives, and realize that God created us not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of him and the people that he loves. People just as flawed as you were. I know, I know I'm in a room full of perfect people. That's why I said were. People that, 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 that are just as sinful as you were. I, mean, I, I know some of y'all raised y'all hand, but it's not a major sin. I get it. He wants us to be that voice for him. And I hope today that you decide that you would sip from those four cups and live a life that God has for each and every one of us. And my brothers and sisters, that would be a win, not in my book, but in his book. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.